This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hi, everyone. It's Alice Cash, your host of Weekly Woman for Jubilance for PMS. And we're so happy that you're joining us this week. We want to celebrate the amazing Black women who've altered history this month. And so this month of Weekly Woman, we're celebrating Black women and their Black stories. So I'm going to let them lead the way. We have an amazing lineup today. First, I'm going to be talking about Shirley Chisholm, who, of course, you know as the amazing political mover and shaker who paved the way for our first Black woman vice president, Kamala Harris. And then we're going to be hearing about Valentine's Day from Shakina and some ideas that you can get for spicing up your sex life with this amazing Black business owner. It's Black History Month, and this month we're doing a series on amazing women from history that we need to know more about. Each week, we'll feature a different amazing lady, and check out our social channels if you want to learn more. This week, we're talking about the incomparable Shirley Anita Chisholm. This boss babe was the first Black congresswoman in 1968, and she became the first major party Black candidate for the presidency four years later. This congresswoman tried to win the presidency with the women's vote and the black vote, but ran into some problems. In 1972, Shirley Chisholm announced her historic run for the White House, challenging other Democrats, Edmund Muskie, George McGovern, and George Wallace. In her speech, she stated, I am not the candidate of black America, although I am black and proud. I am not the candidate of the women's movement of this country, although I am a woman, and I am equally proud of that. Her slogan for her campaign was unbought and unbossed, and she truly was fighting for new ideas with her hat in the ring. She even had buttons made that showed her face surrounded by a circle with the Venus astrological symbol next to it. She wanted to push forward that she was a woman and her feminist ideals. She wasn't going to apologize for her womanhood. In an interview with the New York Times in 1969, she said, I am the people's politician. If the day should ever come when the people can't save me, I'll know I'm finished. That's when I'll go back to being a professional educator. Chisholm was born Shirley Anita St. Hill on November 30, 1924 in bed Brooklyn, New York. She was one of four daughters born to Charles St. Hill, who was a factory laborer from Guyana, and her mother, Ruby Seal St. Hill, a seamstress from Barbados. Chisholm actually lived with her maternal grandparents growing up in Barbados for a couple of years during childhood, which while her parents worked during the Depression. She came back to New York for middle school and high school and then attended Brooklyn College where she graduated with a cum laude degree in 1946. Early in her career, Chisholm worked as a nursery school teacher and director and continued to think about children when she earned an M.A. in early childhood education from Columbia University. She then became an educational consultant for New York City's daycare division. Chisholm was then elected the New York State Assembly for her hometown of Brooklyn and was the second black woman to serve in Albany. She refused to abide by the long-standing expectations in the House for freshman members to stay silent. But she stated that, I have no intention of just sitting quietly and observing. In fact, in her first speech on the floor, she condemned the Vietnam War. She fought for food stamps, school lunches, and she held hearings about the Vietnam War when only 19 other representatives were willing to talk about it. 
She continued to fight for the young. She sponsored increases in federal funding for longer hours for daycare and helping low-income families to be able to afford childcare. In the House of Reps, she was a founding member of both the Congressional Women's Caucus and the Congressional Black Caucus, and yet she wasn't able to consolidate these two huge constituencies into the women's vote and the black vote when it came to her presidential run. Chisholm stated that none of the other candidates represented the black or minority vote and so declared her candidacy for president in 1972. At the Democratic National Convention, she received 152 delegate votes, or about 10% of the total, which was amazing with her modest funding. She was called one of the top 10 most admired women in America in a Gallup poll from 1974, even before Jackie Kennedy, and tying with Prime Minister Indira Gandhi in sixth place. Chisholm was a huge feminist, but feminists were completely split over her candidacy for president. Gloria Steinem and other women in Congress, including Bella Savitsky-Aberg of New York, supported McGovern, who later became the Democratic candidate. Another issue was that of gender discrimination, Chisholm later noted, which carried across party lines. One of the most dramatic parts of the 1972 primary season was when George Wallace, another Democratic Party contender and then governor of Alabama, was shot five times in an assassination attempt. Wallace ran racist advertisement campaigns and was left alive but paralyzed from the waist down after the attempt. But the biggest shock for the U.S. was when Chisholm visited this racist rival in the hospital as he was recuperating. She didn't agree with his politics, but she was the bigger person and realized that she could still embrace everyone in the country. In an interview she did for Visionary Project, she said of that time in the hospital with Wallace that, I couldn't stay very long because he was very ill and the doctors told me, Congresswoman, you have to leave him. And he held onto my hand so tightly he didn't want me to go. Wallace actually went on to campaign for Chisholm in Florida. He told Floridians if they couldn't vote for him since he ended his run after his assassination attempt that they should vote for Shirley Chisholm. His endorsement caused more problems than good, though, because Floridians thought that Chisholm would now adopt Wallace's ideas and policies, which wasn't at all true. Chisholm didn't win the presidential primary for the Democratic Party, but she continued to serve in Congress until 1982, when she declined to seek re-election. When she left office, she founded the National Political Congress of Black Women in 1983. She also taught at Mount Holyoke College and was nominated to be the U.S. Ambassador to Jamaica by President Clinton, but declined due to her health. She then retired to the Palm Coast in Florida, where she continued to educate young people until she died on January 1st, 2005. In Chisholm's autobiography, appropriately titled as her campaign slogan, Unbought and Unbossed, she remarked that, I want history to remember me, not as the first black woman to have made the bid for the presidency of the United States, but as a black woman who lived in the 20th century and dared to be herself. I want to be remembered as a catalyst for change in America. 
Shakina Cooley is a mother, an entrepreneur, the founder of In the Aftermath, a blogger, a bedroom candy consultant, and a relationship sexuality coach. After dealing with a divorce and feeling that she was all alone, she decided to go into coaching. In order to further assist recently divorced and separated women, she founded a company in the aftermath in 2018. Shakina has been sharing her insight on relationships and sex for over nine years, and we're so excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we just start things off with some more fun questions. Okay, what is your favorite word in the dictionary? Uh, I'm going to go with audacious just because I feel like that's something that I have become more of, uh, you know, recent years and I think all women should. So I'm going to go with that. That's <laughs> awesome. I love that word. Audacious. We all should. You're right. Yes. <laughs> What is your favorite thing to cook? Now that I actually know how to. (laughs) Oh, yum. That sounds really good. Now that I know how. (laughs) I I love pasta, but I can never get lasagna. But now I've got it. So that's going to be my favorite. Wow. That sounds good. And really hard, like getting all the layers right. (laughs) Well, it's not that hard once you. Okay. I've I've done it a couple of times now. (laughs) Perfect. Pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, if you could have any other job than your own, what would it be? Uh, are we talking like day job? Because if so, then <laughs> I'd have to say what I'm doing right now would be exactly what I'd want to do full time so that I don't even have to worry about the day job. Yeah, can you talk us through what what exactly are you doing? What is that like that dream job that you already have? That I already have that I want to do full time. Yeah. What What is in the aftermath? Let us know what it is. It's actually just, it's an LLC that I started um, because I wanted to help other recently divorced and separated women. So basically I started once I decided that I wanted to go into coaching and um, in the aftermath, what I hope that it will turn into is kind of like a one-stop shop for women going through divorce or separation because uh, I didn't have that um, when I was going through my divorce. So it's going to kind of be like, you know, first time home buyers information, um, counseling, uh, help with credit, all, you know, all the things, uh, just kind of like a one-stop shop. So that's what I wanted it to turn into eventually. So that's where that whole thing came from. That's amazing. And you also have this other side of you that's like a candy consultant and like mm-hmm. a sexuality coach. Can you talk a little bit about starting that? So that whole thing is kind of funny, actually. Um, I've been interested in sexuality and what all goes into it for probably as long as I can remember. I actually started writing erotic stories way back in middle school. Sorry, mom. But um, <laughs> I kind of got into it, and so I started writing erotic stories, and then um, once I got to college, I started taking, like, psychology classes, psychology mm-hmm. and human sexuality was my absolute favorite, and so um, I decided at that point, you know what, I love this, I think I'm really gonna do this, uh, and it was a way for me to kind of help other women as well, um, and, and couples, I, I'm a hopeless romantic, I love love, so <laughs> do to help couples stay together. I'm all for it. So we've got to stop and talk about our sponsor, Jubilance for Jubilance is an over-the-counter nutritional supplement shown in clinical trials to relieve the emotional symptoms of PMS. 
That means less stress, anxiety, and more of getting back to your life. You deserve to be your best self all month long. And thanks to modern science, PMS is now optional. It's the first and only product for emotional PMS backed by real science with double-blind, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed studies. And it works. I work for Jubilance because I'm here to help women, and this is the real deal. Jubilance isn't just a product. It's a global mission to make PMS mood swings a thing of the past. The Jubilance Sisterhood is a movement of thousands of strong women escaping the PMS struggle with science, sharing, and communal support. We're here for you each week with stories of amazing women, your weekly playlist on Spotify, and for you to dish and cry about periods on our Facebook group. So why not give Jubilance a try? Go to www.jubilance.com to learn more. Oh, that's wonderful. And sexuality can have such like taboo connotations. Like we, we understand it, Jubilance, because we're also, oh, Shakina, did I lose you? Oh, is, you're frozen. Oh, I see you as frozen too. Oh, okay. oh there, you're back. You're back. There we go. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll just ask that again. Um, I like I know like sexuality can have such taboo connotations and at Jubilance we're a women's health period company and just talking about periods is something that is kind of unheard of. Um, how do you broach the subjects about sex and taboo? Honestly, you know, I just kind of go head in, you know, just tackle everything head on because um, I feel like that's what you got to do in order to get rid of all the negative connotation and all those things. So I just kind of go for it. I know sometimes people may read things that I posted and they're like, oh, she said that. But <laughs> I think that it's a great way for you to, you know, get the conversation going. And the more that you talk about it, the less it'll be taboo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it is something that we need to talk about. And that's why I love your Instagram, which everyone should check out, Shakina Talk Sex, which yeah. is amazing. She's breaking barriers every day with what you post, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is awesome. It is definitely the goal. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what should we take away as like women about sex? What, what do you want to impart to us about it? pretty much the way that I feel about it is I think every woman should know that pleasure is her birthright and it's not something that you should shy away from. I know we get told all the time, uh, you know, negative things about our bodies and things that we shouldn't do and shouldn't say and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But I think that sex is something that's natural. It's something that we all desire, you know, and I think that it's something that if you, again, if you talk about it, if you embrace it, then you'll understand that, you know, this is what I'm, you know, I, I, I'm, it's my right to feel this way. <laughs> it's my right to have pleasure. And, yes. And I think we all deserve to know that. So that's what I think women should take away from sex. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> that's awesome. We should own it. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of like, like your word that you said at the top of this audacity. We have to have the audacity to go for that. Exactly. That's what we all need. (laughs) And talk, talk to me about starting your sexual education. Um, Can you talk about starting this, um, starting that side of the company? Wow. So that actually is kind of crazy. You know, when I started blogging, 
that's mm-hmm. actually what I was talking about. I started out doing uh, a blog. Uh, it was called Single in Mississippi. That was back in 2011. And pretty much what I talked about was sex and dating. And so um, I've been doing it for quite some time. I just honestly, this year during the pandemic, when um, we were out of work for a little while, um, mm-hmm. not like out, but we, we couldn't work for a little while. So during that time, I kind of decided, you know what, I have wanted to do this for so long. I've been afraid of what people would say and think if I just absolutely came out being bold with everything. Mm-hmm. And during the pandemic, I just said, okay, I'm going to go for it. So I enrolled in a Dr. Rachel Institute and I've decided to go, you know, get some certification. So that's amazing. And can you talk a little bit about like starting that blog? Like, did you run up against people like during, like once you started this like new, uh, like sex ed and sex education on Instagram and your Shakina talk sex, did you run into people that were like horrified by this? Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, it's funny. Um, I haven't really seen many people be horrified by I'm actually quite the opposite. I've yes. had people be embracing, you know, embracing me and saying, oh, wow, you know, I can't believe this. I'm so grateful. I'm like, I've been overwhelmed by, you know, the feedback that I've gotten from people, um, especially people finding out that my mom actually has been a part of this the entire time. Like, what? Wait. My mom fully supports this. Wait, please explain more. I need to know about this. My, I will talk to my mom like, mom, you know, I think I really want to write about this today. And she'll be like, okay. And she actually sometimes will come to me and she'll say, have you ever talked about this? Why don't you do this topic? And, you know, she's like <sighs> my biggest cheerleader. My mom and my sister are just, they're everything. <laughs> That's so cool. Totally breaking taboos down. Then. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so grateful for it. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. And congratulations on getting your certification. That's awesome. Well, I'm still working on it, but okay. yeah, I'm one step closer. I, I did enroll in Dr. Rachel back in May. So hopefully I'll be getting done with this. I'm, I'm working. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and you're from Mississippi. Um, yeah. How has it been during the pandemic? Well, you know, I guess I'll say, even though it's been tough dealing with everything, no social distancing, Mm -hmm. all of those types of things, it still has been a blessing in disguise um, because, you know, you get to spend more time with your family, which I have been grateful for. Spend more time with my two little active, very active little boys, (laughs) but being able to spend more time with them and just you know, seeing the love and support from all around because churches have been given back to people who may oh, not great. have food and all those types of things. So it's blessing in disguise, I think. Oh, good. So you guys have been able to like hang out during quarantine and um, do some virtual learning as well. Virtual learning, <laughs> yes. And um, I've actually done a lot more baking, which is something I love to do. So the kids, of course, have been <laughs> very happy about that. Like benefiting. Yeah. So, <laughs> what What did you bake most recently? Most recently, I did a red velvet cake. Um, so. Yeah. Oh my God! I'm coming over. <laughs> Come on. <down. laughs> oh my God! That sounds so good. Come on down from. Oh my gosh. You know That's where the hospitality state. <laughs> really, I didn't know that. Yes, Mississippi is the hospitality state. So here we are. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's cool. 
I'm in New York, so it's a little far, but someday I'll make it there. You'll make it, you'll make it, and we'll be here. Yeah. Um, And something that we always ask on the podcast is, uh, what is your definition of womanhood? My definition of womanhood, I'd have to say, is strength and femininity. I think it's knowing the power in your femininity Mm. is womanhood to me. I think that's awesome. That power and like, like the audacity to try and have pleasure. And I I just love everything you're saying, Shakita. (laughs) Yeah. That is true. uh, As far as femininity, for sure, because a lot of us kind of try to do away with it. And we think, uh, you know, I got to be more like men or, you know, feminists and all that. I'm like, embrace your femininity. There's strength in it. Yes. That's so, that's so right. Um, and if you could give advice to a woman on the street, just like walking by, like you had a sentence or two to tell them, what would you say? As <laughs> probably cliche as it sounds, love yourself first mm-hmm. and love yourself without condition. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, something I need to remind myself without condition. Without every, yes. That's <laughs> the important part. Without condition. Yeah. Now, I love myself more when I do X, Y, Z. Love yourself now, right where you are. Yeah. And Shakina, how can people get in contact with you for your coaching sessions? If they would like coaching sessions, they can always go to my Instagram. My email address is there. Or if you don't want to go there, I don't have Instagram. My email address is shakinacooley at gmail.com. And her Instagram, if you remember, is Shakina Talks Sex. So definitely check it out because it's so awesome. Um, Shakina, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I just want to say thank you for having me today. Yeah, it was such a pleasure to have you on. Nice meeting you. Mm-hmm.